Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. So good to be with you all. Um, my name's Nat, for those who don't know, I'm Sheldon and I are at the North Coast Olive Tree site. And so good to be with you today. Um, but it didn't go as planned, because the first service, you see, first service here is 8.15, and then we have a 9 o'clock service on the North Coast, and so there was excitement, because I was going to preach here, and then be streamed there, and it was all going to be perfect. Of course, then the power went out, so there was no um, streaming of the service there. Fortunately, we had something from a few weeks back, but um, anyway, it's lovely to be with you today, and um, yeah, I love what Paul had to share about peace, and it reminded me of um, my high school days. I went to a Catholic school. And there would be that moment in the service where the priest would say, you know, you can now share the peace. And so now you've got wild, hysterical teenage girls who have been sitting for 50 minutes and they can't wait to, like, explode. So there would be this exuberant giving of peace um, and, and, like, trying to, like, get across as much distance as we could without getting in trouble and peace and hugging. And, and a few times I remember him saying, it's enough peace. Um, <laughs> and... Um, it left us with the real sense that, like, oh, we have so much peace, and there's too much of it. It's wonderful. And anyway, um, so, you know, peace is a huge concept, and I find that sometimes when I'm feeling like something such a big, almost vague concept, that the best thing to do is to actually ask children. Um, I believe that children are geniuses before we get hold of them and mess them up. So I asked a few children. There's obviously a kid here who enjoyed that. Um, I asked a few children. Uh, what peace means to them. And I'm going to give you quickly a moment to answer that for yourself. What would peace, what would more peace or peace in your life look like? Just answer that to yourself. What would it look like now if you had peace? Okay, so I asked these children, what is peace? And these are the answers I got. Calm, quiet, no noise. When you aren't being nagged. People working together in harmony people wanting to help one another, and no war. I think kids are bright. And I think what they confirmed to me and what we see in Paul's uh, testimony is that there is this peace, this inner peace, that is just like, it's okay with me, it's okay with God, this is okay. And then there's a peace that extends out into the world in terms of how we do relationships and how we interact in situations. War, you know, it's, it's this outflowing of, of peace. It's the peace that's beyond us. And so today what we're looking at is the fact that Scripture actually tells us that peace is a weapon. And I know that that sounds like quite a paradox because peace <laughs> shouldn't be a weapon. You know, it's like a weapon is something of destruction. And yet we'll see that it is, it is something that is destructive. Peace is destructing everything that was never meant to be a part of our lives. It's all the absolute worst of what the devil wanted to throw at us. Peace is a weapon against. So let's have a look at this. Now, I personally, you know, before I was a believer, I think peace had a kind of hippie notion to me, and I was just accustomed to, like, peace out kind of comments and, like, you know, keep the peace. And, but, you know, as I've grown in my faith, I've come to go like, no, this is actually something to pursue and something to understand and something to walk in. Um, but I did want to know, like, how do we work out, you know, we, we love this kind of like, who's the winner at something? So who are like the winners at peace? Who are the best? 
at peace. So, of course, I went to trusty Google. And I'll just read a few of them because some of them are like, they should not be there. Don't Google that now. Um, Ten, Henry David Thoreau, and then eight is Confucius, and seven is Mother Teresa, and six is Nelson Mandela, and then uh, three is, uh, four is Martin Luther King, and three is William Wilberforce, two is Mahatma Gandhi, and number one is, come on, Jesus. Come on, even Google knows it, guys. They know that Jesus is the, the absolute winner at peace. I think that's awesome. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, that, that speaks, I think, the way that I asked the question, to this piece, the me piece, that I am a person who walks with peace. But what about the people who actually make peace in the world? Who are those people? And so I thought the best thing to do was to look at the Nobel Peace Prize winners. Now, interestingly, the Nobel Peace Prize is um, one of six awards that was there to honor a man named Alfred Nobel, who was the inventor of dynamite. Okay. <laughs> I didn't quite understand, like, dynamite, and so we'll give him a, a, an award in his memory for peace. But it goes quite well with the sermon if we're talking about peace being a weapon. Then I thought, that's fitting, you know, peace and dynamite, let's go. It's all good. So a few of those amazing guys, Theodore Roosevelt, Martin Luther King for his work against racial um, segregation, Mother Teresa for her work in poverty awareness. Um, she was an incredible campaigner. But I've also read an article which painted her as like a little angry Albanian terrorist who apparently had a vile temper and questionable language. Um, but be that as it may, she brought peace and love to countless lives and goodness. So we forgive her of that. And uh, yeah. Um, then there's B Bishop Desmond Tutu for his work against apartheid. And um, our very own Mandela and de Klerk, who, who shared the award uh, for their work um, to the end of apartheid and a peace peaceful transition. So, you know, these guys weren't like just sitting there being peaceful. They were like making peace. They were going out and going, this is wrong, this is faulty, this is not good. We're going to make peace in that area. And so, yeah, we're looking at this, this idea today that peace is a weapon. It is something that dismantles bad. And um, it is this, this notion, that it, it's more than peace, it's shalom, which we're going to look at today. So let's see what God says about all of this. And just remembering, we're not just talking today about like a non-confrontational peace. We're talking about a peace that is a force. So I find that when we're trying to understand a concept and God's heart in a matter, we kind of always have to go back to the garden. We just have to go like, what do we see in the beginning before it all got messed up? And so that is our picture of peace, this garden, where there was perfect relationship between the people and God, Adam and Eve. There was good relationship between them. There was harmony with the environment. There was enough for everybody. There was no shame. They ran around naked. It was just good. God said it was good. It was a perfect understanding of peace. And, and more than that, it was shalom. You know, um, the root word of shalom actually is completion, fullness, and wholeness. This is this, you know, like big, expansive peace. And um, this is what God had dreamed of for his creation. This is what he wanted. He desired this for us. And of course, we know that we went and stuffed it all up. And so now we have this broken shalom, this non-shalom. And so we have to work out what we do with it today. And how do we go about understanding peace as a weapon and, and working, living our lives in, in a way that that's how it works for us. 
So I want to um, just help you to understand that, you know, there's always this competition of the two powers. And so from Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says this. Paul is describing the power that the enemy has, the, the one who came and caused this disobedience in Adam and Eve to, to make them, to, to actually allow them to break this, this peace and this shalom. So it says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, what I really wanted to hone in on here, and some versions call him the prince of the power of the air, was just to draw this comparison between these two princes that we're going to talk about. So the prince of the power of the air is the one who, who actually has power by causing us to disobey and to go against everything that was meant to be the peace and the shalom of God. And um, what we also know is that, of course, God had a strategy against this prince of the power of the air. Um, you know, he's God like that. He has a plan in place from the foundations of the world because he's outside of time. And so he, he has and had a plan all along. And today we're going to find out how we fit into all of this. But here he tells us about this plan in Isaiah 9. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, I love that that brings in there a little bit of war talk again. This Lord of Heaven's armies, this one, the, the, the Lord of Heaven's armies recognize that there's a war and he is sending the Prince of Peace to take out the Prince of the Power of the Air. So, I'm just going to stop for a moment and say, I, I can't believe that anybody in this room is not feeling this. But by a show of hands, are any of you really needing more peace inside of you, inside of your own lives? Just show me. Some of you, like me, may be waking up and just, like, there's just stuff gnawing at you. And are any of you just really wanting to carry peace into the world, into environments, into things that you're seeing that are just utterly broken and dark? Show of hands again. Okay, awesome. I really felt today that this, I needed to give some really practical tools, like things that you could do to help you to use peace as a weapon, to like wield it out there in the world in a way that is helpful and massively life-altering. So God had this plan for this Prince of Peace, and we know that as Jesus hung on the cross and he said those words, it is finished, it was this absolute signal that the war is won, that peace is regained, and that is the reality. But you know, the thing about the kingdom of God is that it's like, it's done and it's still happening. There's, you know, perfect, there's peace now, but there's a perfect peace coming. There's these, you know, we're healed now, a healing coming, saved now, and there's still more salvation coming. It's, it's this ongoing thing. And so we know that the, the end of the story, it is like complete peace and shalom restored. But what do we do in the interim? 
So um, in Romans 16, we read this. Paul is giving this encouragement to those who are building the church, those who are going out and bringing light where there is dark, and those who are doing the great work of restoring where there's chaos back into peace. And he says this to them, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then the Passion Translation says it like this, the God of peace will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp under your feet. I love that. It's so violent. Um, and so today we want to kind of, we want to have these tools. We want to understand how is it that we like crush this one who wants us to disobey everything that works against shalom peace under our feet because God has given us the Prince of Peace and his spirit lives in us and we have access to this. So for the first part, um, I think I said in the first service, I think I completely eradicated all of Ross's peace when I told him what I was planning to do um, because this is, it sounds at first, as I bring it to you, it'll sound a little bit like, how on earth can that help anyone have peace? But that's kind of because I think we've had a, a poor view of it. Um, so I want to submit this part of the message to you. As the way I felt God explained to me is that we can walk with peace, but we kind of have to have a good, solid foundation in ourselves. Because otherwise, if, we, if we're meant to be this weapon of peace and we've kind of got a kink we're going to be ineffective. It's like you're trying to muster up this peace and be peacemakers and walk out with this force, but there's just something that maybe still needs to be addressed with inside of you to give you peace. So when we talk about disobedience, you know, the, 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 the prince of the power of the air is, using, is making people disobedient to the shalom and the peace of God. When I think of, of disobedience, I, I think of the Ten Commandments and um, people who have been in in churches which teach the grace message, often are like, no, 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 no. The Ten Commandments, we don't, we don't worry about all of that. And I think that's because at some point, sadly, it became some understanding with many believers that the Ten Commandments were, had to all be in place perfectly in order for you to be, you know, to have your salvation assured or for God to love you. So I want to start by saying, absolutely not. God loves you. If you believe in Jesus, you are saved. What I'm suggesting here today is that these commandments were given. They weren't actually even commandments. It was like a, a marriage contract. It was God saying, I invite you into this relationship with me, and these things will help you have peace. You see, my husband was here earlier, so I can't um, pick on him, but not pick on him. He's my husband. That doesn't sound right. But he and I are married, but peace in our marriage is not assured. He loves me. I'm pretty sure I love him. Um, and that, that we're married, that's it, but it's the whole, will we live in our marriage with peace? So I'm going to flip through a few of these commandments just so that I can help you to understand this, because I think as a tool that sometimes we, we just have this angst inside of us that with a simple question to God, like, God, am I doing something which is causing me to live in a lack of peace? Between you or between my neighbor or in environments, that his Holy Spirit will tell us, and we can have peace. Just this morning, I woke up with an anxiety. I was like, God, what is going on? And I just felt like, just, just sit with me. You know, just, just be with me. And as I did, I just felt peace return. So you understand what I'm trying to do here. It's a, it's a, it's a gift. It was this beautiful, it was actually um, called a ketubah. And it was a part of this whole, like, come, marry me, be my people. We know that the Bible's rich with you know, marriage language and analogies, and we call the, 
church is called the bride of Christ, you know, and this wedding feast at the end. So if we understand it not as rules, um, but as an invitation into our best life, it's actually beautiful. Um, I was saying earlier that South Africans struggle a bit with rules, don't we? We just like to live on the edge of what's legal, like, um, like the speed limits and things. And um, we don't always obey rules because they're good and safe for us. We obey them because we might get caught, you know, whereas there's countries where people just do it because why would you not, you know? Um, so I do think we're a little bit edgy like that, and we are therefore even more averse to rules. So please hear, yeah, this is not rules. This is not about salvation. This is not about God's love for you. This is about working out areas where you may be robbed of peace. So imagine with a marriage, put God first. It's a good idea to put your husband or your wife first, isn't it? Or worship God only, not idols. Like having your heart somewhere else and saying, but I also like him a bit, is, is a little bit difficult. Um, and in terms of our relationship with God, like is it that we're putting our trust somewhere else? Could that be robbing us of peace? Because we're putting our full trust in this money coming through or this job coming through or this thing miraculously being solved. But can we see maybe that there's something or someone that we're putting our trust in more than God and that's a bit of an idol? Or um, I love this, the Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath day holy. It's not a rule, guys. It's a gift. It's actually a tremendous gift. You don't have to do it. But let me tell you, when you take a Sabbath and you make that a regular pattern and habit, it is beautiful. It's just like a whole day to not worry about work and earning and trouble and strife and just go like, God, you are good. You have given me so much. And look at these beautiful people in my life and just to enjoy them and enjoy God. It's, it's totally a gift. Um, you know, I kind of look at the Ten Commandments and I go, the first four are, are very much about this me and God thing. How am I doing with God? And then the next six are about people around me and don't steal, please. I just have to show them my keys. Yeah, yeah. You know, God wasn't trying to ruin our, ruin our fun. This is, this is my set of keys for the North Coast Church. I kid you not, every single key here has a vital purpose. It wasn't to ruin our fun. It was to go, I don't want you to live in the world with keys and, you know, all these things. So just recognize that these are gifts, these commandments. Um, do not kill. Clearly, he's trying to ruin our fun. Um, <laughs> But you know, do not kill is also like, do not have a, a destructive impact in somebody's life. Like, don't destroy people. Don't do things that hurt them or reduce them or bring them down. And so you see, I'm not going to go through all of these. I'm going to give you the, the cool Jesus version because he was great like that. He gives us the, the light version of the Ten Commandments because he said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And the light version is love God and love each other. And so when, I, when you feel this lack of peace that's just inside of you, I think it's so important to have a, a practice of like this audit almost of just going, God, is there some way that I need to love you more? Or is there some way that I can trust you more? Or just know that you really do have peace for me in this situation? Or it could be, God, is there somebody that I'm struggling to love? Was there a situation that I'm looking at and thinking it's their problem when actually the problem lies here? You see, this is all about how we get to actually have a good foundation of peace in order to then be people who can like wield peace like a weapon. And you don't have to. God's big enough that he can work if you haven't worked those things out. But I don't think any of us like to live in that space. 
where we just have this angst and we, this ongoing niggling feeling that things are not well with us or with us and God or people around us, situations around us. So that's the first thing, just to recognize that feeling of unease, that, re- that feeling where there's no peace and go, God, what is it? Is it a this thing or a that thing? And guide me in how to restore peace in this area. The next thing is this. Um, you know, Paul understood that there was this massive war raging in the unseen. Of course, this prince of the power of the air raging against everything that the prince of peace wants to and will establish. And he tells us to put on this spiritual armor. And what I love about armor is that you don't put armor on and then sit on your couch and be peaceful. You put armor on when you're going to war, when you're going out. You see, a lot of us in the church world have been told to be peacekeepers, but I think we're called to be peacemakers. And that requires us going out and stepping out and putting on an armor and going. So this is the one we're going to speak about today. So Ephesians 6.15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We put on these shoes that are the gospel of peace. Now, why did he say shoes? If any other preacher could give a hundred different reasons, but this is what I'm going with today. And I'm going to say the naughty word because it landed. No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I've just been rebuked (laughs) before I even had a chance to be rebuked. Um, There's this, I was reminded of this stupid meme. And guys, you can just put the guy version of this in, but it's delightful to me. It says, be the type of woman that when you get up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, (laughs) the devil says, oh, (laughs) C-R-A-P, that thing. (laughs) She's up. Okay. It's (laughs) your feet at the floor and you recognize that you're standing with an authority, the authority of peace. Now, Paul also speaks about um, us being ambassadors of Christ. Okay, So Christ is the Prince of Peace. We're ambassadors. That means we're ambassadors of his kingdom. And what I love is thinking about ambassadors, you, you also think of embassies. And, you know, an embassy is where there's an area of land in a country. And the minute you step into that land, the rules and laws of that land apply. So we've all seen movies like Born Identity, where he goes like skidding in there. He's about to be shot by 32 people. And as he kind of steps into the American embassy, he's safe now. He's protected by American law. There's a different governance there. And we, as we remember, and, and so this second part is all about a choice. It's about a choice to go, I'm putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. These are weapons. This is armor to bring peace into all the spaces around me. And as I stand on the ground, I'm standing as an ambassador of the Prince of Peace's kingdom. And I'm coming against the Prince of the Power of the Air's kingdom. And I walk and I carry this this embassy, this kingdom of heaven with me where I go. This is a choice that all of us get to make. Which shoes are we putting on? We're going to be subject to the kingdom of chaos and disorder and darkness and death and decay, or are we going to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, which is the shalom, that wholeness, that fullness, that unity 
that was in the garden that our God had always wanted for us. We all love the story about Jesus on the boat having a nice kip while the disciples are freaking out because there's a massive storm raging. And um, he, he wakes up and uses his authority to rebuke the wind and the waves and calm the storm. And um, this is, it says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The peace inside of Jesus became the peace outside. And this is what we all get to do. It doesn't mean that the storm stops necessarily in our lives, but it means that we bring peace into that storm. The peace inside of us becomes the peace outside of us. Um, for those who don't know, about, I think, four years ago now, Sheldon and I um, felt God call us to go and build the North Coast Church. And um, we, we'd prayed about it for like two months, and we heard that clearly this is what we needed to do, and it was confirmed by other people. And so we felt like it was an act of obedience to go and build this church in the North Coast. I have got um, rabid optimism, okay? Like people tell me it's too much. And we went with big rose-tinted glasses. We were like, we had such plans for this church. And unfortunately, we stepped into some unknown things that, that happened that were tremendously difficult. And um, these rose-tinted glasses quickly got shattered. Um, and it was kind of one thing after the next, one, one challenge after the next. And time and time again, Sheldon and I would find ourselves going like, did we hear wrong? Are we, are we in the wrong place? This is chaos. Like, surely if we've obeyed God, if we heard him and we're stepping into the thing that he called us to, there, there should be peace. Like, this is nuts. Um, I remember one night lying on our bed, and it felt like there was just this like, spiritual swarming chaos above our bed. That was like, we felt that that was what was going on in our story in the North Coast. And, um, you know, it, we would kind of go on this, like, <laughs> this, until we'd go, no, God wanted us here. We, 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 we chose obedience to what God said. And therefore, the storm can be going absolutely bananas around us, but we will have peace knowing that we are where he wants us. So the situations didn't change, but we'd find peace again and going, this is where he wanted us. And that's, that's okay, that's enough. I must just though celebrate, since about a year back, we've been seeing all of our prayers answered. The things that we wanted to see in the North Coast, we're seeing happen, and that, that original um, difficulty, so much of it is gone. So yay, Jesus. <laughs> Um, you know, our peace in a situation like that terrifies the devil because it says the kingdom is here and we're reigning in this place of peace. We're the prince of peace. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to invite you all just as we pray together for you to just allow God to speak. Sorry, there's, there's one scripture that I've somehow missed. It's this. Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to just end on this thought. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Okay, it's not like the physical stuff, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is about us being good with God, right with God. It's about his peace, his shalom. And it's about joy in the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? Peacemaking, being a, a force and a weapon that goes out and makes peace in the world, it can sound quite daunting. We could sit here and go like, oh, 
this is quite a heavy on us. But it's not, because it's never meant to be a response to somebody in this room telling you what to do. It's something the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And there's a joy with it. There's a lightness with it. There's a, a capacity for a power that is not yours when you've heard it from God. And so that's what I'm going to allow you all to do now, is take a moment and just respond between you and God with anything that it is that you need to do in order to sort out some of this piece or some of that piece. And for us all to just take a moment to go, we're going to choose to put on the shoes, these shoes that are weapons, a part of an armor to defeat the chaos, the everything that came against the peace that God originally wanted for us. Heavenly Father, we, just, we thank you today, first of all, for your outrageous love for us. Even now, God, I just feel that there is such a tangible sense of your peace and your pleasure and your shalom in this room. And I ask now, Father, that we would all just tune our ears to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind if there's anything that we are not believing from you or not understanding from you or not trusting in you that is contributing to us having a lack of peace. Speak to us, King. And Jesus, is there any body, any situation around us, God, that there's a key you can give us for peace in that area, in that relationship, in that situation, in that thing in the world that we see that is awful and broken? Is there anything inside of us that is contributing to lack of peace in it? Father, I thank you that we can receive peace. I thank you that you give us peace and that you give us peace that we can leave in our homes, peace that we can bring into environments, peace that we can give to our kids as they go to school and our spouses as they go to work. I ask God that you would help to cement this truth inside each of us that we would be people who decide to shut ourselves with the peace, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace, that we would put these shoes on and we would know that as we walk, we walk as ambassadors of the prince of peace. And we thank you, Jesus, that you dismantled all of the work of the enemy on the cross. We thank you that we can learn how to walk in the truth of that reality day by day. Thank you, King. Amen. As you go today, I'd love you to say a great big hefty, peace be with you to the people around you, and mean it. Mean it. You carry it. Mean it. And put your shoes on every day, please. It's been great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. 
We hope you have an amazing week.